Welcome to episode six of the Point Podcast, a Breakpoint Sports production. We're back. I'm Jack Powers. I have Nate Tubbs with me, and Owen Goldsmith is back with us. We love it. We love it. Welcome we have a, back. Yeah, welcome back. We have a we have a couple things to get into. Obviously, a lot of big stuff going around about the the court storming stuff going around college basketball. Russell Wilson coming out with some interesting comments on the contract stuff and things going on in Denver. Very interesting over there. And then more NFL stuff. The competition committee looking at changing some stuff around with the NFL kickoffs. This might be great for the NFL. And then some big news for the MLB. Cody Bellinger finally signs a deal with the Cubs. So we'll go over all that stuff and get into a little bit more. So let's get right into it with the court storming. So Kyle Filipowski with Duke recently had an incident after the Wake Forest loss where all the Wake Forest fans stormed the court very rapidly, no time really waiting. And Kyle Filipowski and the Duke coaches were very vocal in the fact that he might have been injured slightly, that this shouldn't be allowed in college basketball. What What's our feelings on all this? I don't know. After seeing the clip, I'm a bit skeptical about us going straight to ban the, the court storming because it's a part of sports that I think is really important for the fans. It's one of the biggest reasons that you would go to one of these games as a Wake Forest fan is if you pull out this win, you want to storm the court. You want to experience being there with all your friends and being there supporting your school. It's really unfortunate that Filipowski got injured. I don't know the extent of this injury, but it's interesting to see how now that there is some injury level going on with this conversation, uh, how the NCAA will treat this moving forward. Yeah, I agree. Um, I also think it's like, I mean, I hope he's okay, obviously. Yeah. But I don't really think there has been a scenario where we've seen like a major injury from a court storming. I think the bigger issue would be potentially like fans like trying to fight players and stuff like that. Um, and in the clip, if you watch it, Filipowski does seem to exaggerate the story a little bit. Um, so I'm not totally against it, but I do see the argument as a coach against the Stormer. Yeah. I don't know. Um, my thing is like, we just saw this happen with Caitlin Clark with, with Iowa. And as a fan, you love seeing court storming. It's one of the greatest things in college football, college basketball, just college sports in general. Now, yes, can it cause issues? Of course. Now, maybe there needs to be more security and safety regulations around it about, you know, the time you wait, give the players 30 seconds to get somewhere, whatever it may be. But to go out and a lot of these uh, bigger voices in the league saying we need to get rid of it entirely, I think is a little far fetched. Because this, this is what college is about at the end of the day. It's the fan base. It's the atmosphere. To get rid of that is getting rid of a culture, in my opinion. Absolutely. Yeah. I can't really think of times in recent memory where court storming has really resulted in injury. So it's kind of interesting to me that two have happened in the same season, especially, Owen, as you mentioned, that there might be a bit of exaggeration here with the level of injury like do we really need to be limping off of the the court i'm not sure i i'm not sure i, I don't want to yeah. you know make little of filipowski's pain but this is an instance where hey maybe you 
are just kind of butthurt. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, I think he played his game last night. Yeah, he's been back, <laughs> so like, it's like. And Caitlin Clark played uh, played her games. Yeah, yeah. I I think it's just the the overreaction is is definitely there, and I just banning it would just ruin a culture. It how, just would ruin it. How do you even go about banning something like that? Are you really capable as a security team uh, no. to keep all of these fans from storming the court after they pull off a huge upset win? Yeah, I don't think so. Especially for football, too. Oh, man. That's an entirely I mean, different what conversation. You, what you see with banning things, like people are more likely to do it. That just kind of goes for a lot of things. <laughs> uh, yeah. People are just going to no, want to do it more. I think they could stop them, but they're not going to. In my yeah. opinion. You're right, though. I mean, it's hard. You can't anger the fan like that. And there has to be something for the fan there to make sure that these upset wins are still as important to watch in person as they are to watch, you know, online. I I, I mean, I might be wrong on this, but I believe that the schools do get fined every time it happens. Yeah. The storming. Oh, no. Yeah, exactly. They have to pay the tuition. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder whose pockets that comes out But still, it's like... I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a bigger uh, penalty, but it's not it's not going anywhere. Not right now. Agreed. Not because of Duke. <laughs> like, Definitely not because of Duke. <laughs> um, how about uh, how about what's going on with Russell Wilson? Yeah, what an interesting kind of timeline that he's got going on there in Denver. Since the end of the last season, he was. He was told that he was going to be put on the bench be, uh, unless he changed a clause in his contract where if he got injured, he would still get paid. They did not want to uh, have that risk there for him. And as he's going through this process with his agent, he's like, well, I still want to play. I'm having a decent season, but I obviously want to be protected. I don't want to lose out on that that part of my contract just because they're kind of fear-mongering me into doing so. And he's come out on the recent podcast with Brandon Marshall, I believe, the I Am Athlete podcast. And he was talking a bit more about the details and just how the organization kind of went behind the Players Association's back and definitely his back and his teammates' backs just in the interest of their personal gain. So that's such such a big problem when you have ownership going behind players backs you want these teams to be on the same page with their players you want them to be looking out for their best interests there's a lot of intrigue there with Sean Payton being introduced to that team and how they had some struggles so I don't think Russell Wilson was necessarily the problem but he definitely was not gelling well with the new coaching staff so it's interesting to see how Different uh, different people might have influenced him leaving Denver before he expected to. I saw his house just went up on the market, and yeah. this was not a move that he was anticipating. And I think there there's so much to talk about there. But Jack, I want to hear your I want to hear your thoughts on it. Um, yeah, I, I mean, as a Seahawks fan, I used I was a big Russell Wilson supporter when he left. You definitely saw a change in his attitude, his personality overall, and. I I don't understand. I think it's it's a problem on both sides, honestly. I really do. Yeah. Now, 
to say I know everything about him and what they're trying to do there isn't going to be right. But overall, I just I think that Russell Wilson kind of lost his love for the game. Yeah. Do you see that? Was it taken from him or did he lose it? Mr. Unlimited, we're talking here. Because other teams are going to get him. And yeah. That, that's oh, yeah. And that's, Which it, I didn't think, I didn't expect. You know, I, other teams are going to get. You think he's leaving you know, 100%? Are him. Oh, 100% yeah, he's he is leaving. leaving. And 100% he's going to can, find a place to go. Yeah, apparently. I don't know who would do that. Like, <laughs> I think Steelers are on that list. Like, yeah. But one thing he mentioned in the podcast is he wanted to set a precedent in case other teams try to do this with other players, try to, uh, I don't want to say bully their players into taking these clauses out of their contracts, but clearly that cannot happen. So I think that's an important note to take out of this is that he did hold his ground and he was willing to kind of put his future up in the air because he did not want to sacrifice that aspect of his contract. So you you need to keep your players protected. And I think in their best interest, they don't want to have any sort of uh, discrepancy there with them getting injured and losing out on their paycheck. I also have a feeling that Denver kind of just gave up on him too, overall. Yeah. It was super disappointing to see. I mean, I'm from Colorado. All my friends could not have been more excited to see Russell Wilson in town. I mean, it was (laughs) Broncos country, let's ride, come on. (laughs) But as that season progressed, as those two seasons progressed, they stopped seeing Russell Wilson the way they did before. Absolutely. And I think... It's probably for the best that this breakup is happening. It's one thing that that looked good on paper. The attraction was there to begin with, but it's just not anymore. So, so yeah. where does Denver go from here, though, as an organization? I think rookie. Yeah, they uh, they got to look to the draft. They got to look to the draft because Sean Payton is wanting to find somebody moldable to his squad. Probably. I think an interesting storyline would be JJ from Michigan going to Denver. And then that would create a lot of intrigue in the Chargers-Broncos rivalry with Coach Jim Harbaugh joining the Chargers. You would have old coach, old quarterback. There would, of course, be a profound level of respect between those two. But to see them compete against each other, I think that would be incredible. I think that would be a good move for you guys. I, I I thought the Wilson trade was a good idea. Oh, yeah. Um, no, it made total sense. But obviously it didn't work out. <laughs> and I don't know. Sean Payton is interesting. I think he's a good coach, but yeah, he, like, isn't the best. Do you think he got hyped up a bit too much With the given his track record? Well, no. do you think he has – I think he has a big part to do with Russ not working out. Like, he wasn't really trying to, like mm-hmm. – Yeah, I think a lot of the mindset you know, was – Because Russell Wilson had – terrible season before he came yes with this yeah it it was just a terrible season for the team overall exactly so he probably went into that knowing kind of a game plan of what needed to happen Mm -hmm. but the receiving core was there too you know yeah oh yeah they're they're an incredibly talented team it's it's definitely not due to a shortage of talent it's more so the shortage of leadership or the shortage of a you know continuous vision 
of that team. I just don't think that's there. And when you have somebody like Russell, one of these tier one quarterbacks who is a, a storied winner, you know, he's bringing something to the team. He wants to be a leader. He wants to dictate how things go. And Sean Payton was in the same boat. This was his second chance at coaching a team to victory. And sometimes your visions just do not align. And then you can kind of lose sight of the overall goal, which is winning the game, and get more focused on winning your personal battles between your coach. So there needs to be that shared vision. And I think that's why they need to go with a rookie. Well, let's get into um, some other NFL stuff with Denver having, I guess, more so of a boring last couple of years. <laughs> they always seem to be on national TV, and people aren't really happy about that. That goes into the NFL also struggling with obtaining viewership during the entire season. So they're going to be looking into maybe reviewing um, whether they change the kickoff rule and making it a little more fun, a little more involved for the teams. So what is most likely going to get proposed, according to the Dallas Cowboys Executive Vice President Stephen Jones, is that they're going to do something similar to the XFL model here, where they, they line up the opponents on the 35 and the return team lined up on the 30, and only the kicker and return returner are allowed to move until the ball is touched. Mm. They're doing that this year? It's going to be proposed to the committee. That's So if, if you're on this committee... What questions are you asking, and are you more on board with this, or are you against it? Uh, number one, I think they're going to look at injuries. What's the injury statistics mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. it? I think they're actually better than normal kickoffs. I was going to say, kickoffs. I think the XFL did it Yeah. because the injury thing. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. You also are going to get longer kickoff returns, Yeah. Um, so that plays a big role in a game. I just think that changes. I would be surprised if that gets accepted. That's such a big. I don't think such a big change. Right. I don't think it'll like, be entirely adopted the same way it has been in the XFL. Or teams would just like squib kick or like, I don't know. There'd yeah. be a different tactic, like or kick or touchback, like every single. Yeah. Time. How does it change the touchback if you're going to be expecting returns to go past the twenty, past the twenty-five? And that those are questions that the yeah. you know the committee will have to ask. You're right, though. They probably just take a bunch of like data. Yeah, it. and it's probably from the XFL is like what they're really taking. Well, the committee has a few things I got to look at this year too. I'm not against that though. There's yeah. also the hip drop tackle they're going to be looking at. Oh so. yeah, there's so much injury related stuff yeah. that these committees are going to have to look into. I got to give a shout out to to my dad because he's been talking about changing the kickoff rules yeah. for for years. Well, and yeah. for for sake of being kind of ridiculous and fun and entertaining he wants to see a kickoff that if it goes through the uprights it, it might get you a point it might get you two points interesting i mean i feel like when we all see that on tv we all yeah <laughs> you would see a different layer to how you draft a kicker does it, it would yeah does uh, their I leg mean, out of, that much i'm more? gonna give a cool stat out of 2698 kickoffs in 2023 only 587 are returned 1,970 were touchbacks and 92 fair catches. So you're looking at so only 20% returned. 20% of kickoffs are returned. I'm most baffled. I don't think that rule change is going to fix that. It, yeah, it's who's to say? Who's to there. say? I'm most baffled by the 92 fair catches 
out of the that's pretty small out of the almost three thousand. I mean, that shows with the five hundred eighty-seven returned that these kick returners they want to do their job. Mm -hmm. They want to do their job. If they're able to take it out, they will. That's something as a fan. I'm always rooting for the possibility of a kick return, unless it's on me, of course. But <laughs> watching a touchback and then roll the commercials, I'm just I'm not about that. Yeah, at all. it goes commercial break, kickoff. Or you know whatever it may be, and then yeah, oh, it's back a, to commercial it's for another such a 10 waste minutes. of time. It can't help with their ratings too. No. Like I'm, I'm flipping to a different sport straight up. That's yeah. why everybody has four NFL games going at the same time. Because <laughs> it's, it's similar to like what MLB did last off season with the bases and stuff. Yeah, pitch clock. Mm. It's all about viewership now and keeping people to stay on the, the channel. The MLB one's bigger. Yeah, bigger yeah, sure. they they went. But drastic. I mean, the stolen bases like surged, like yeah. never before seen. Well, look at Acuna. I mean, it was yeah. bigger bases and Shorter. the pitch clock. Yeah, the yeah. pitch clock change definitely changed the, oh, the tempo. You go to of a, pitchers. You so noticeable too when you mm -hmm. go to a game. Yeah, I think that's the biggest. Like people in person. Yeah, the in person experience is so much more exciting now. In yeah. my opinion, I don't even think it's like the TV. Now, you know, the only problem I see with it, like, yeah, which I think is great. When you have that many games, the only problem is if you're like an MLB purist fan or if you well, yeah. if you really love watching the stats, then seeing all these records being broken, you're going to put an asterisk next to it. But when that's really the only issue, I think if you're Rob Manfred, if you're the MLB, that's a sacrifice you're willing to take because if it's more entertaining to the rest of us and you're going to make a small minority mad, then, I mean, clearly they yeah. they, they went down that path. No, I, I think it's worth it. I, yeah. Well, then you have... You I know, think the, it's, like, at an all-time high in popular... I mean, we've yeah. talked about this before, but, like, with sports betting and, like... Yeah. I, I think a lot of people are watching well, we also have now the NBA looking at whether the game is too offensively tilted as well. So, it, like no yeah. defense. I mean, they're just saying it's some of, it's too offensive focused now. Some of these scores are are ludicrous that have happened this, this year. Season. It was the biggest. I think this season was the biggest like combination of points. I have no doubt about that. Well, everybody puts up one thirty a night now, <laughs> and I I love All seeing games. offense. I I do. But it just does not have the same level of like grit mm -hmm. that the NBA had when I was a kid. And hey, it could boil down to you just see things differently when you're a kid. But I mean, the stats tell the same story. I think the game is too offensively tilted. And it's not like these changes will completely ruin the offense of the game. It's about finding that balance again. Well, it says that teams this year are averaging 115.4 points a game, the most of more than 50 years. In 2003, in the 2003-04 season, they were averaging 93.4 points a game. <laughs> that's, that's a big <laughs> Yeah. So do you think it's because the offenses have become that good? I don't. Or is it the defense has become lazy? Or I is it even, I think it's just like player, like, I think it has to do with like player development, like the like compared to when we like you're saying like ten years ago. Like I think compared to then, it's like there are more skilled players in the NBA who are mm -hmm. shooting more threes, and it's just like faster. I don't think it's I don't think it's necessarily like less defense. 
No, the players coming in are undoubtedly more talented. And I think it's even like they're scoring, like they're like they're shooting more threes and like I don't know. I guess yeah. maybe there's less of a focus on defense. Yeah, that could be. But it's like it's not like a, like you know I don't know. Yeah, I mean the meta for the past few years, the past several years, I think with uh, Embiid and. Jokic kind of dominating is you get in the paint you draw a foul but you still have a relatively easy shot to take so there's I'm not sure the numbers on the increase in paint fouls but it seems like the game is a lot more revolved around being aggressive and drawing a foul and And just dude yeah fouls in general this oh they're soft they're soft well they're soft and it's there's been I don't dude it what I was saying is this season, I feel like there's been more, like, game-deciding calls so far than, yeah. than any season. I oh, yeah. There. Easily. I mean, coaches are up in arms. But I think it's because they're more—I I don't even—they're not getting the calls wrong. It's like they're just, like, really on it. I don't know. Yeah, there's yeah, been right. two— So many coaches are so mad about that. Two that I can recall most recently—one was this week. It was against the Pistons, where yeah. it, it was a, a game-swinging call. And, against um, the, it, the, it was like— uh, The Mavs? I don't, it was the Knicks or something. The Knicks. And, yes, it was the Knicks. And there was a loose ball foul on DiVincenzo, and it wasn't called. So these are, these are things that happen, I think, because it's such a big part of the— like national narrative it gets talked about a lot more but yeah these calls happen they've happened as long as the game has been a thing but we'll see how they they treat this moving forward to try to swing it back to a offensive defensive balance of course let's get into some mlb stuff now obviously cody bellinger signed with the cubs the first free agent of those big the big four kind of to go yeah, and which is great. It is great. It hopefully implies that those other big prospects, your Snell, Chapman, etc., will be finding homes. Hopefully. And out of all these names, Bellinger, I mean, he's a big name. He's probably the smallest of the bunch in terms of yeah. pr- production over these past couple of years. I love the fact that he goes back to Chicago, though. Owen, what do you think? I'm excited. I think everyone's excited. Just from reading it, um, his teammates all are in like support of it, and uh, it was kind of my prediction about what would happen. Did yeah. you guys kind of see that happening? I wasn't shocked, honestly. What were the other teams he was like? I mean, the Mariners probably. West Coast teams mainly, yeah. Giants, Mariners. Uh, maybe Mariners are in maybe the Rays. Yeah. The Rays might have shown interest. No, yeah. I mean, I, I think all fans are pretty excited about this one you think the I mean, Cubs will have a good season this year I mean yeah I don't know did you guys see how their season ended last year it was yeah crazy they were they started great they lost well they were in the playoffs and lost this final game against the Braves to lose yeah. the series and then Suzuki like I mean it was crazy yeah I think they're gonna play well though they're kind of the they should have made the playoffs last year but we would have had to play <laughs> Philly oof they're they're the that kings was, of having that like really exciting end of season run yeah, that's after exactly a, <laughs> after a mediocre year just like oh my goodness like we're actually not mathematically eliminated. Yeah. The Padres found themselves in the in a similar situation yeah. too I'll where that every year. Oh, it's uh, it's exhausting. <laughs> it's exhausting being a fan of these teams. I think they'll do well. I'm excited for the season to start. Where where do you Spring think training's been pretty fun? Yeah. Where do you think Snell and Chapman land? Snell, I mean, we've talked about this before. 
he's still got to have his sights set on the West Coast. I think the Mariners are still the biggest culture match for him. I don't know. Yeah. I've, I've been on this train. I don't know if it's what the team is willing to spend on right now. I mean, Scott Boras was seeking upwards of $250 million for Bellinger. So he's obviously looking for these big chunk contracts for everybody. Yeah. And he might be setting his sights too high as Bellinger settled for that three-year $80 million deal. But if you're Snell, you got to be kind of concerned now that spring training has started and teams now can put into question, are you still the same pitcher that you were last season? Are you still the Cy Young winner? And it's unfortunate that it's gotten to this point, but you got to expect that as time goes on, that value has kind of dropped off. Does this mean the Padres are still contenders in keeping him? I sure hope so, because yeah. he loves San Diego. He, The team loves him. The city loves him. But only time will tell, really. I think so. Still. Do you think he's still asking for the large contract, the nine-year, whatever it was? Because the thing is, is Bellinger just signed a lower contract. Yeah, I, I could definitely see him still asking for a bigger contract, or if he's just weighing his options, really trying to factor in what his future looks like. I just don't think there's any way any team's going to sign him for nine years. Not even the Padres. Oh, no. It's ridiculous. There's no way. The Padres have already kind of been bitten by the the Yu Darvish signing. And I like you, but do we need him when he's 42? No. Mariners need their first big. And we're good on pitching, though. (laughs) We're good. We got Castillo, Gilbert, Kirby, Miller, and Wu. I mean, I'm happy with those five. I'm not complaining. As long as it's not the Dodgers. And then Chapman, and then there's Chapman in there. I don't even know what he's asking, but I'm sure it's unreasonable. He's going back to the A's. Scott Boris is just... (laughs) Is he actually going back to the A's? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think that... A's ain't spending nothing. No, they're they're really not because this ownership is trying to spend as little while maintaining the team's value so they can can sell. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. It doesn't even seem like they're going to Vegas anymore. Yeah, they're looking for an interim home. It sounds like they're going to play at the Sacramento Rivercats stadium yeah. for a couple of years. It's just so... I've been in that stadium. It's not, not that big. <laughs> it's such a it's such a punch in the face. Because they're just destroying the Coliseum or whatever. What's their stadium called? Yeah, the Coliseum. Yeah. Coliseum. And the Coliseum is more akin to a penitentiary <laughs> than it is to... It's your, a concrete jungle. It's a concrete jungle. Um... But it's such a kick in the face to all of these A's fans who are like, okay, now we're playing uh, at the River Cats Stadium. Like, we couldn't just... They're going to sell, like, no tickets. MLB should have jumped the gun and expanded before they even got to this conclusion. Yeah, because these dudes are, like, it's no, <laughs> I, If Oakland never went to Vegas, you can't tell me that MLB was going to already try and build a team there. Yeah, no. They Easily. Well, and ML like... Obviously, I don't really want to see the A's there, but an ML team in, in Vegas would be really cool. Yeah. Like, it's just the way every league is going. And it's saw NHL and works so much better. Too, yeah. The NBA will probably go Seattle and Vegas if they do it. Yeah. So, oh, they, NBA definitely wants to go Vegas. Yeah. yeah. So think about ESPN starting their own 
sports book or their own sports book, their own betting enterprise, and how Las Vegas is the absolute center for that happening. And they are, at the end of the day, the entity that makes the MLB, that makes the NBA, the NFL the most money. So now it's in their best interest to splice sports betting very heavily into the like grain of the sport so of course it was to be expected that teams would end up here and i think sports betting it's a lot of fun yeah but are we going to let it affect the integrity of the game or where teams are going to play i think that's taking it too far personally yeah i agree the betting thing's gone way too far in sports and I, i like it too but it's like i'm not a fan of like seeing it all over the TV and stuff like that and, like, halftime and showing, like, the live odds during the game. Yeah. I think it's, like, there's so many people with issues related to it, too. It's, like, yeah, that can't be legal. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't see, like, uh-huh. cigarette ads on, on TV or, like, alcohol even. Like That's a really, really good point. I th- I think it's, it's almost so the, it's the modern-day equivalent of those cigarette ads yeah. because it is highly addicting, and in this case, there's, there's money attached to it. Again, if you're maybe listening to the not-expert experts of the breakpoint algorithm, <laughs> <laughs> you, you might have a bit more fun sports betting. <laughs> But there's still a matter of this This is gambling, and yeah. it is them trying to get you to gamble. There's all these offerings for free bets or multipliers. And, again, betting is a different conversation. Are we going to let it affect the integrity of the game? It cannot get to so, a point where it affects the play. I just had an interview with Tommy Tran of CBS Sports. He's based out of the headquarters there in Florida. And he, I asked him, how is gambling going to – does it change the sports realm at all for like does it affect anything he said if you are covering a game so the sports broadcaster sideline reporters and you're talking about it you can't actually bet it there's there's nothing Mm -hmm. you can do you can't give any advice on the game you can't say your betting thoughts on it because you might have inside information on you know if a college basketball player is injured and that you only know that because the coach relayed that to you last minute you can't give any betting insights now the guys who are hosting shows before, like pre-game, post-game, all that, they're allowed to give their betting advice. Yeah, sure. Charles um, Barkley drops a parlay every season. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm not even joking. But anybody at the actual stadium who who are based there, they are, they are like in their contracts, they cannot give any betting advice yeah. whatsoever. And there's been so many problems with that. The yeah. Alabama oh, yeah. baseball thing, that was the craziest story ever. Like the one of the assistant coaches was like telling this dude that the pitchers were injured. Yeah. He like called. Well, yeah. And then mm-hmm. college baseball is probably the bottom 5% of all sports bettors. And when you place a $2 million bet, it's going <laughs> to. It's going to raise some red flags. Boom. They're on it right away. So. But. The betting thing, uh, in general, like with regards to like sports, the players and like the admin, there just needs to be more like rules with it because too many people are getting in like trouble, and there's been too many. Uh, I just think it's too definitely. I mean, yeah, this has like, literally prevented some players from being inducted into the Hall of Fame, Mr. Pete Rose, and also yeah. I remember an instance of an NBA ref. That was uh, caught for insider trading, or insider trading. I guess that's kind of what it's called. Point shaving or something like that. Where, yeah, he 
he had such a advanced knowledge of the game and the inner workings of the NBA at the time. He was able to make a ton of money, and yeah. he he went on record explaining how he did it. It's obviously a big problem when you get people that are involved in the sport. I feel like that dude too. Like it's not even like he had insider info. He's just like new. He knew he ball. Just knew, he knew ball. Like, yeah, yeah. So. Probably knew. Yeah, I know what you're talking about the. Problem. Uh, all right, let's get into a little bit of college, college basketball updates here. Kansas, before you know, during the week, they got upset by BYU at their place. Is this any shock to anybody before we go on? I think it, it was about time the Jayhawks got knocked yeah, down a peg. I, I mean, they've had some really, really big wins, and that's not to say BYU is a bad team or this is like a super major upset I mean this game was decided by eight points and if you're Kansas you shouldn't be too worried but obviously it is a bit late in the season to be losing games to unranked teams I agree it's they'll be fine Kansas will be fine BYU they're going to be a March Madness team undoubtedly so Mm -hmm. that was a good win for them yeah moving on though we had a ranked matchup uh, yesterday Auburn versus Tennessee Auburn lost by I want to say it was eight and personally, I think those are the top two teams in the SEC, and I think everybody else is kind of just fraught. In the is SEC. that crazy to say? Kentucky. I think Kentucky's a second-round exit, maybe. Nah. I like Kentucky this year. Ken- Kentucky's I fast. saw BYU er, – or, wait. Um, well, all right. In terms of the Auburn game, it was at Tennessee, so I don't – like. I think Tennessee is the best team in the SEC, though. I agree, and then I think it's Auburn. But then Alabama and Kentucky. I don't even think Auburn's that good, to be honest. I think Auburn's going to make a run. I don't know. I think Auburn. They they always seem to be capable of a run. I mean, Tennessee did have they had Dalton Necht or Net. Yeah. He he dropped thirty nine. Like yeah. that's that's a performance that's going to win you this this in conference game. I think Bama will be a quick exit in March Madness too. I think Bama's better. I think Bama would be Auburn. Like really, I think they already did this. They're they're one and one against each yeah. other this year. Like, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens when we get into March the, Madness, but the uh, Mountain West is a better conference than the SEC. Yes. Honestly, in terms of depth, yeah, I think they're they're very capable of of surprising a lot of teams. I think there'd be five teams that can compete with those SEC teams right now. Yeah, five out of the Mountain West. Oh yeah, SDSU, Utah nah. State could compete. I don't think mm-hmm. there's five. I think there's like Colorado State, New Mexico. But we're gonna compete. We'll have more bids this year for sure. Yeah, UNLV, UNLV, dude, they're starting to just come out of nowhere, aren't they? I mean, we're still – they're, they're never to be trifled with, honestly. As a, as a kid, I remember those, those games watching, um, you know, Kawhi. Yeah. And it, it's always been UNLV. It's always been uh, New Mexico as the primary basketball. Yeah. Well, there's seven teams in the Mountain West Conference right now that uh-huh. all look great. Yeah. Or who have at least an opportunity to probably make March Madness, which is insane. CSU and Boise State kind of on the the cusp now. Yeah. CSU that that was a tough loss. Oh, yeah. We were just talking about that. To their... I thought they were gonna win. Mm-hmm. CSU. It was at CSU too. Speaking and of, it came back by like seven points in the last like. Yeah. Those ones are gut wrenching. You guys see uh, Max Truce? 
yeah. Yeah. take over. This is kind of a, a bit old news at this point, but sure. I mean, fifteen points and five for five, five on the, on the threes in the fourth quarter. <laughs> he, uh, what I thought was interesting is he only played like five minutes, yeah, five or six minutes out of that fourth quarter. And That's what I was going to say it was like five minutes. I mean, talk about like the individual performance level. That's got to be rocking two hundred percent. Oh, oh yeah, that is a dog. I'm sure that was fun to watch. I I think the Heat are gonna miss him. I think he was a he was an aspect of that team that gave him a lot of depth and gave him a lot of I think power. Uh, yeah. As they use their bench, because he's he's the type of guy that can I think play with both groups really well. But at the same time, I think the Cavs are going to be an early exit because their their record against teams above 500 is is pretty atrocious. Also the Bulls last night double overtime mm, something like that. Bulls have been the Bulls think, have been due for a win. Too. Yeah, they're not going to make the playoffs. Yeah, they've been struggling. <laughs> I think the Cavs never really do that well. Cavs have been really nice out of nowhere though. Yeah, I mean, and they, best record in the uh in 2024 so far. Out of the All-Star. I, I looked at their games that they've they their their strength of schedule is very much lopsided for the below five hundred teams. Yeah, and they they have won some big games. Don't don't yeah. get me wrong, but yeah. Um, let's get into our college basketball pick, and why don't we? Jack, you caught up, bro. Yes. So our college basketball pick em, we're sitting at, at least I am, a 53-29 and 29 record. Tubbs just ahead of me at a 55-27. and 27. And then Goldsmith out a 25-14 and 14 record. He missed a couple weeks, but we're going to go off, per, you know, yeah. win percentage here. <laughs> and uh, right now Tubbs, though, still in the lead. Just barely. I have lost a lot of the breathing room that I have been <laughs> enjoying up <laughs> up to this point. So, got to yeah. lock in. Here I, I caught you last week for sure. Nice. I had a, had a couple nice picks there. You did. Anyways, first one off the bat, we have twenty five South Florida versus Charlotte. Yeah, Charlotte and basketball are just not mixing too well <laughs> this year. I'm gonna take uh, South Florida. South Florida for me too. Yeah, I'll take South Florida. They're looking at stealing it from Florida Atlantic. That's mm. crazy. Yeah. I would like that. I would like that. Yeah. I'm sick of that. And then next up, we got UCLA versus number 19, Washington State. Yeah. Uh, Wazoo. All right. Wazoo. Wazoo. With you. My yeah. Cougars. That's what's up. And then next up, 24, Florida taking on 18, South Carolina. That's a good game. I'm, I'm going to rock with the Gamecocks. Yeah. Hmm. I'd like South Carolina also. I'm going to go Florida. I think they're on a, a little hot streak here. And I think South Carolina, they just kind of, they're just hanging on now. Uh, WCC matchup. This means a lot for the March Madness tournament. Gonzaga, 23, getting ranked again versus number 17, St. Mary's. Yeah, it's it's think, Gonzaga for me. Yeah, I think Gonzaga wins. At St. Mary's? It's their get back. Yep. They lost at home. True. Yep. I think they, Gonzaga's been like playing so well. They finally got their ranking. For real. I think Zags are back. I think they're going to... I think they're going to take care of this one, and I think they're going to get back into that tournament talk. All right, next up, Arkansas versus number 16, Kentucky. 
Kentucky. Yeah, I'm I'm interested in this game. I think it's it's got to be Kentucky. I know you don't you don't oh, love that team, but it's Kentucky. Yeah. Arkansas's not like that. No. Uh, next up, 13 Illinois versus Wisco. Wisconsin. Yeah, I'm I'm rolling Illinois here. Wisconsin. W- Wisco has Wisconsin. has bit me in the butt too many times. Yeah. Yeah, but it's out. Wisco is, though. They just they lost. They just lost like yesterday. Wisconsin again too. They haven't won a game in like. Then weeks. thanks for telling me that I'm taking Illinois. Nah, it's <laughs> <laughs> Next up, Mississippi State versus Auburn. Auburn just lost to Tennessee. I yeah, they yeah they got to get their get back. I'll take Auburn. Auburn yeah. Next up, Duke, number 10 versus Virginia. I got Virginia. Really? Yeah, I'm, it, me and OG locked in right now. I'm taking Virginia. I'm going Duke. I think Virginia kind of fell off. Nah. Yeah, I, I respect your opinion. Duke's all defense. They don't have the offense to compete with Duke right now. That's my opinion. You might be right. We'll, we'll see. Next up, NC State versus the Tar Heels. I love this matchup. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just got to be UNC. UNC. Mm-hmm. UNC. UNC across the board. Next up, Iowa State versus UCF. Uh, I think this will be closer than what people think. Yeah, my, my gut is, ta- is like not bad. <laughs> my gut is telling me UCF. I get uh, Iowa State nah. for me. Uh, uh, I- I'm yeah, taking Iowa okay. State. Iowa State, probably. You locking in Iowa State? I, no, I'm locking in UCF. Wow. I, I'm a believer. I'm going to catch you now. I'm going to catch you now. That's Or, what or I I'm going to extend the lead. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we have a ranked matchup, number seven, Kansas versus number 15, Baylor. Yeah, I think Kansas is is going to come back. And Kansas has to bounce back here. Yeah. I think Baylor wins. All right. Not it's not going to be an easy win for, no. for Kansas, but it's a necessary win. Yeah. Oregon versus number six, Zona. Little Pac-12 matchup. Guy or Zona. Yeah, Zona. Zona. Next up, good Big East matchup. Five Marquette versus 12 Creighton. Oof. I think that'll be Tommy, Marquette. if you're out there, I'm sorry. But Marquette <laughs> is marching in, and they're humbling you. Golden Eagles, Marquette. Creighton's really good, though. They are. We all riding. I mean, if if they if they pop off like they did earlier in the season, I think it's Marquette though. It's yeah, I'm I'm rocking Marquette. Uh, next up, four Tennessee versus number fourteen Alabama. We were just talking about what where the SEC is standing. I think Tennessee handles this one. Nah, I think Alabama wins. Really, Alabama just got, got crushed by Kentucky. Yeah, it's out. It's out Alabama though. True. I'm gonna go Vols. Yeah. Maybe the lights will go out in Bama again. <laughs> uh, next up, Scene Hall versus number three, UConn. Yeah, UConn. UConn. It'll be close. I'm on UConn. Michigan State versus number two, Purdue. That's tough for Michigan State. Yeah, I, I, I just got to roll with Purdue there. Purdue, same. And then last matchup, Houston, number one now versus Oklahoma. Houston's looking too good to, to Houston's bet Houston's handling this one. Yeah. All right, yeah, Houston. We're all locked in. That will be the Point Podcast episode six. Thank you, everybody, for listening. You can get, you can follow us on Breakpoint Sports on Instagram. Follow and subscribe to the podcast. Tubbs, thank you. Goldsmith, thank you. Great podcast, guys. Let's go. All righty, we're out. <laughs> <laughs>